Hey everyone, it's your friend Sam here with a quick pre-episode announcement. Max's microphone is occasionally bad. His audio sounds bad, but it doesn't get worse, and it does get better. So stick with it, and I promise it'll be worth it. Thanks! Can you see my handsome face? I can see your handsome face. Alright, now I'm turning it off. Okay, cool. That's better. Oh. Sick burn, sick. That burn. was mean, Max. It's only we been a change, month since we did this. We can change the check-in question. It's been over a month—a month and ten days. I know. Um, yeah, I can't think of this bad that I don't have a surprising skill. I use this question. I do a day or a weekly check-in on the Ready Slack, and this is the one that I used. I'm trying to think. Mine is. I played the flute for four years. I played for two years. <laughs> you played the flute too? Yeah, a couple of flute boys. <laughs> wow. Well, there we go. That's our checking question. You know why I played the flute, right? Me? Because you had because we owned a flute. Oh. So it, was a, you, it wasn't so much that you wanted to be like me, it was just that we had a flute available. Yeah, it, I think it was so much that mom believed apparently that you were going to be a flautist, a professional flautist, that she went ahead and bought you a flute. What about your saxophone? That's true. We also own, I think it was, I don't know if it was gone at that point, oh. or maybe. Maybe he was actually good at it, so I was a little intimidated, but I knew I could fill in your flute shoes. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> your petite flute shoes. And I think I did. Flute sho- I didn't have petite flute shoes. Did you? And I'll, I'll is this the show? This is, is the show, right? <laughs> yeah, we started? Yes. Wow. Because we're going right into flute talk. No, no pre-flight, huh? Nothing. I think we jump right in. People know what we're about. All right, checking question, fields of work. Uh, This is a show about brothers and work and stuff. Uh, And we're talking about surprising skills that we have. I played the flute for four years, and I – you know, I wasn't bad. I was second chair in my band. So was I. I was also – I don't think I ever – I don't think I ever took on for first chair. One, because it seemed like a lot of responsibility to be top flautist. Um, Number two was a good spot to be sitting in. I don't really recall. I, can I tell you something, Sam? I think mm-hmm. I kind of really liked it. Yeah? I think I really liked playing the flute. <laughs> I kind of liked playing the flute, too. Like, was, I wish I had stayed yeah. with it. I wish like, it would be cool as a 34-year-old to be like, yeah, I'm a very excellent. I've been playing the flute for 20 years. <laughs> what do you break that out? Just Saturday nights at home. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, my neighbors don't mind. It's not that loud. Well, in that, in, if I had been playing consistently for 20 years, I'd be good. That's true. You'd be amazing. Yeah. You'd be like, uh, play, play some Jethro Tull. Yeah, that's really the only. Uh, apparently, Lizzo plays a flute as well. Okay, if you knew that. Is that a so person? Two, you don't know who Lizzo is? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I know who Lizzo is. Okay. I couldn't. I can't name a song that she does, but I know it's a person. Yeah, and she plays. She plays a flute, that's but not cool. a guest. Um, what? So yeah, is your I surprising like, skill also the flute? <laughs> I guess because I forgot. I almost forgot that I played the flute. Um, <laughs> I think if I. If I handed you a flute right now, do you think you could play not just like blow into it, but like, could you play an actual note? Like, proper I fingers? absolutely could play a note, and there's a scale that I remember how to do. I think we know the same one because I remember like the basic scale right. that we learned. So it's the basic still... scale that you have. Okay, picture it in your mind and pull the <laughs> flute up in front of you here. All right, I don't know what the, I don't know what the notes are, but first note, yeah. um, both just, pointer yeah. fingers. Yep. And then the next yep. one is only left hand pointer finger. Okay, yeah. What's your thumb doing? Your, your left uh, thumb in this off. I think it's off of it. I can't. Actually, yeah. no, hold on. Yeah, no, I it's, think it's in. It's holding it. It's holding it. And then it the is. next one, that, I'm pretty sure that's a C. Now, D, 
I, I can picture what my hand is doing. There's a lot going on. I know my right <laughs> pinky's in the air. Yep. And then yep. the next one I think is just pinky down. Yeah, I think you just bring the pinky down. Yeah. And then F, um, I don't remember from there. I remember one where, yeah, where like the, I think it might be the, three. I think it might be the three on your left hand and then your pointer on your right. Okay. Maybe. And and there you go. That was flute. <laughs> that was our master class. <laughs> Welcome to our, our, our all audio, no visual flute lesson. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. What, and no actual flute sounds. Now, that's a, a important question here. Did you play so fifth through eighth? Uh, was yes. that your okay. yeah, five, six, seven, eight? Yep. And um, so I didn't play, I didn't take it into high school. Uh, our band director asked me to play bassoon. Ooh. And not only did I disappoint him by declining to pick up bassoon, I also quit band. You so. were so offended by the <laughs> bassoon question that you just quit the whole band. Yeah, basically, I rage quit. <laughs> You'll you'll play no bassoon. Now, was that a translatable uh, instrument? No. I don't know. I mean, I don't okay. know. I mean, it seems like a weird clarinet. Yeah, it seems I like was a big, no clarinet boy. Clarinet. I was a flute yeah. man. There were plenty of clarinet kids. Why they need? Why they need you to play a bassoon? I don't know. It's because you had so much talent. Yeah, that's what he tried to spin it as. <laughs> he said, "Oh, it'll translate. You're good at the flute. We really need a bassoonist." Was this a marching bassoonist, or was this like in the band? I think it was just, just a play regular band, stuff. like orchestra okay. or whatever. I don't even know what sound a bassoon makes. <laughs> I don't either. I think it's a type of bird. I swear it sounds like a type of bird, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> All right. Um, well, you checked in? Yeah, I'm ready. Kay. Let's do this thing. Me too. So this is our final episode of what we're calling season three. How do you feel? Is- Feels good. I forgot. I couldn't remember what season we were on. I think we're on season three. We'll call it season three. 54 episodes. Yeah, why not? Uh, So last episode, you asked a bunch of questions about how my sabbatical went because that was the big thing that I was doing for four months. Uh, And now this time around, we're going to flip the script and I'm going to ask you about how your entire farming year went. Are you ready? Yeah, do we? I can't remember the order we did it last time. Would you like to just do a little like yeah, talking Sam? Do you have any mini topics? I don't know if I have really any mini topics. I was on vacation. I went home for yeah. seventeen days. Actually, at first I went to Asheville, North Carolina, with Kira's family. Mm-hmm. Um, we spent just a couple couple days there, and I drove from Asheville up to Michigan to spend Thanksgiving all the way till about the first week of December, hanging how out was, at home. How was at home for you? At home was good. Uh, I I billeted at Joe and Christina's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so Toby was your roommate. Toby was my roommate, and it was great. Um, saw some people. Ate, so I ate one real fancy dinner, which was nice. We went to a Sylvan Table over kind of by Joe's house, a farm-to-table restaurant, nice. and a very uh, unassuming place. You drive past um, for non-Michigan people a road that's pretty busy, and off the road there's a couple fast food joints that didn't make it, which is surprising because that rarely hmm. happens. It's like an old. Like an old KFC and an old Burger King, and the McDonald's is still going over there. And if you look close enough, you can see behind them there is a really giant, like beautiful-looking rustic barn and greenhouses and everything. And this farm-to-table restaurant, which is only about an acre, similar to kind of the one in Massachusetts, uh, sits kind of in a neighborhood right behind all of these fast food joints. Um, they just kind of nestled it right in there, and it's it's awesome. I remember hearing about it, uh, the plans to open pre-COVID, and things got slowed down obviously during the pandemic. But they're open now, and it's it's a lot like where um, we would eat and where I worked in Massachusetts. But it was a very very good meal. What'd you get? Um, so we 
we got we got fancy with it. We did a uh, they had a lot of uh, um, exotic meats, and by that I mean nothing that exotic. But um, hey, wait, like, hold on. Know, what do you mean by exotic meats? Compared to your average restaurant, there was um, goat, duck, rabbit, okay. and one other thing that was on the menu. I'm not talking. We weren't. I was. I've, I've never had rabbit. I've had goat and duck. And we were leaning between. We were between goat and duck. Uh, we were splitting two entrees. We settled on duck. Um, nice. I can't remember exactly what the whole dish was. It had, it had duck three ways on it. There was a lot going on. There was a duck sausage. Um, it was like kind of like a, a white bean um, type of thing going on. It was the bottom of the dish. There was some duck cracklings on top, duck fat cracklings. Um, and then the other dish was a, uh, a winter squash ravioli, like stuffed ravioli. Ooh. That was very good. A lot of like just root vegetables kind like, of around that's it. That's like a what? A um, cream sauce on it? It was actually a pretty light sauce. It was a little bit hmm. more like a not like a, a pretty thin, like brothy kind of sauce almost, hmm. Um, hmm. which was interesting. It was pretty sweet inside. Hmm. Um, and then we didn't do a dessert. We did like a fancy. We did the bread, the bread service, whatever they call it, which came with some fancy butters, like a Cajun butter and a blackberry butter. And then blackberry uh, butter is fun to say. It is. <laughs> like a good mouthfeel. Yeah. And uh, and then we did. Whatever the, I can't remember what the word was for. A campagnolo, maybe, which is like a fancy uh, charcuterie board, basically. Hmm. Um, we yeah. met two of my friends, two of my friends from uh, my friend and her fiance. Cool. Uh, for dinner. And it was great. And, that, and actually, this is an important mini topic. About two hours before the dinner, here and I went and met up with two more of my friends because I was trying to cram in my visits with everybody while I was there. And we met them at a brewery that had little to be no trivia going on that night. Kira loves a trivia. I love a trivia. And so the four of us decided to make a team for the hour and a half we were there to play the first round of trivia, the first game. And out of nowhere, uh, Team Winging It, because it was a airplane-themed brewery, uh, Team Winging It won it. We took first place. Wow. And then we got up there. There was a second game afterwards, but we didn't even know there was trivia happening. So as we walked out the door, the guy, like, over the microphone, speakers and everything, and we're playing mostly against, like, you know, 40-year-old parents that live in Auburn Hills. Mm-hmm. And we're walking out, and he was like, you can't just leave – after you win the first game, and then we sounded like real jerks because we were like, we didn't even know there was trivia happening. You know, we just stumbled in here <laughs> and we walked away with our twenty dollars gift, gift certificate. Nice. Back to the same brewery. Uh, um, real quick, but it felt great. Your mic is doing something weird. Either yes. try like unplugging and plugging it in. See if that makes it better. Okay, one second. Um, I it's not your Ken. One, two. Back and at it. Can you nope. hear me? Sounds terrible still. Sounds terrible. It got like weirdly, it got like Busy. low, like low bit rate sort of sounding. Ooh. Well, hold on. Now it's maybe better. Talk more. How about one, two, three, four? Actually, yeah, it sounds good now. Hmm. Did you say hmm. there was a cat? Did, did, is is <laughs> Poblano back? No, no. Uh, Kira and her cat are staying over here for a little bit. And so oh. uh, Bellatrix is here. Great, great cat. She did just make an appearance. Um, so if you hear meowing in the background, it is not the return of Poblano. <laughs> oh, I'd say it's not you. <laughs> it's not me. Poblano has been adopted to was adopted out quickly in his and think first day on the floor. He was such a cutie. Um, no, he was such Bellatrix. a chonker, thanks to you. Yeah, you would not look at him and describe chonker. Um, but I did. I did my job, which was I put on those those one pound or whatever he had to get. Yeah. Um, not even one pound. I think it was like twelve ounces because. Boy, was he little. Um, but that was my mini topics. Basically, I, I just got back to the farm last Wednesday. We came home. So nice. I've kind of been I've kind of been away from the farm for a little bit. 
All right. And um, before we get into the retro, are there any farm updates worth hitting on? Farm updates? Not really. I'm returning the second rooster. I think I told the story of how we got 10 new hens and one hen turned out to be a rooster. And You're returning kind of it? I thought there was talk of potentially uh, giving the old one-way ticket to upstate. Oh, yeah. No, I don't know if we have it in us, and it seems like a lot of work. Okay. And we'd rather just, honestly, we'd rather just have a hen to lay one more egg. Um, and the two roosters are finally, what's what's happening is, um, now we have two roosters, which is not great. Territorial issues, they do not, they don't love it. Um, so we haven't named the second one, but Kira named the first. The older rooster is Cluck Norris, and he has nothing to do with the other rooster. And the new rooster can fly out of the coop or can fly out of the run. We clipped his wings, but apparently not enough. So he can fly out, which is great because it lets him get out of all these situations that he doesn't want to be in. <laughs> and there's two hens that apparently also have enough wing, enough lift still on their wings that they join him. So this new, this new rooster has a little harem that follows him around. <laughs> and every day they get out early in the morning and then they just trek across the, they're all over the farm. And then at night they come and put themselves to bed. If you stop trying to put them back in, a hundred percent. Yeah, I gave up about a month ago. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's not setting letting, a good uh, setting a good example for all the other ones. It isn't, but guess what? They're, they're not limited by will. They're limited by physical ability, and okay. so it's not like they're going to be inspired to the point where they can. So rise these up ones and fly that don't up. have radical freedom, what do they do all day? Um, they for a while they were just kind of they would just hang close to the coop because they didn't even know what to do with <laughs> to themselves. Taunt, to like, taunt everyone else. Maybe, or they just didn't feel safe. But now, now they're across the road. They're in the neighbor's yard. She said she's fine with it, so I'm, I'm just letting it go. Um, but they've been really exploring the space. They kick and spread all the leaves that I put on the farm, um, <laughs> which is fine, I guess. And so this this Thursday, though, we're finally we're gonna get do an old switcheroo and, and give uh, new rooster back and get one hen in return. Hmm. Uh, the if old possible. rooster hen trade. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, we'll see uh, if that actually happens. Like settlers of Catan. Yeah. One chicken yep. for chicken. And we'll see if that works because that involves um, catching that chicken. And, oh, yeah. Is that your job? It's going to be my job. I don't <laughs> know if just me and a fishing net can handle that. Well, um, Mr. Uh, Mr. Goose can help you. Yeah. I don't Yeah, I don't know if he's going to be much help. Okay. Um, he's, cool, he's calmed down these past couple months, though. It's great. We're, we're pals now. Oh, you guys are, but, you guys um, are chill. Yeah. So, so Rooster's going back. Other than that, I mean, just – this will probably come up in just the year review thing. This past weekend, we were in tornado warnings for hours and dodged. Yeah, by dodge, I mean, we got terrible lucky weather coming through. Awful weather. And for those who have seen the news and everything, the same yeah. storm system that brought through the tornadoes in Kentucky, um, we were kind of just holed up in the cabin. Um, maybe the most terrifying experience of my life still to be woken up at 3.30 a.m. to a tornado warning and just like having no idea, losing power and hiding in this, like essentially the safest spot we thought in the cabin. And then like getting a call from Kira's mom who had news and service and she was kind of farther East. So it hadn't hit her yet was telling us that a tornado apparently had touched down in Kingston Springs, which is terrifying to hear. Yeah. Um, we found out later that it was the kind of North side of Kingston Springs touchdown, like 10 minutes from here and did a lot of damage. Luckily didn't take any lives or anything up there, but a very, very nerve wracking 24 hours or 12 hours um from like the point where like friday night we're like i knew there was rain and stuff coming and we heard there were storms coming mm -hmm. to the point where like friday night like everyone was like oh prepping for the tornado like if you went to the store or anything we're like what's going on like i didn't didn't <laughs> know it was such a big thing yeah and um 
to the point when, you know, 3 a.m. is a terrifying time for a tornado that's, Yeah, it's not a great time. I saw some videos from this event yeah. where it's pitch black, obviously, but then there's a ton of lightning, and the light from the lightning is illuminating the tornado in the distance. And mm-hmm. that, is a, uh, that is a disconcerting sight. Yeah, and, and after now having seen footage out of what happened in Kentucky and just thinking, like, you know, it didn't matter. If you don't have a basement, which none of the houses right here in this piece of property do, it just looked like, you know, there was nothing left of a lot of those buildings and structures that got hit. Yeah. And it makes you think, like, it didn't matter where I would have been hiding had that hit here, you know. Um, it was just definitely, like, not a thing we had to grow up with in Michigan at all. I mean, um, kind of a spoiled. little bit. A little bit, but it was never like an like a F four, F five. I mean, I distinctly remember that, there being times where we had to run over to to our neighbors and go into their basement. Yeah, but that was pretty few and far in between. Yeah. You know, I feel yeah. like and didn't happen a lot. And again, those tornadoes now granted didn't um Michigan have one this past summer that did touch down and do some damage. Yeah. But it just seems like on the actual scale of the destruction and what really happens, it was yeah, um, fair. not the same amount. We heard from the farm the fellow farmers in Kingston Springs who were the tornado basically touched down over their farm, um, that they were in their toilet or in their bathtub wearing hard hats and the interior doors of their house were all swinging around, like opening and closing from the wind and their toilets flushed from the pressure change of the storm (laughs) going over, which is just crazy to think about. So I don't know, man, it shook me up pretty good. Like not, not loving that I'm farming in a place where things like that come through. Now I know that people would say this was a pretty one-off, you know, this hasn't right. happened in a long time, a December tornado. The last one was like, this was the seventies. I'm hoping, you know, that that doesn't mean this next year, another thing will happen. But I think yeah. the uh, trend of climate change and crazier, more severe weather, as we saw from flooding and stuff that happened this summer, it was, you know, you can say it was a crazy year, but there's a good chance as it always goes that next year, feels just as crazy because something else happens well and i feel like um, there's not even places where that is like not true anymore i feel like you could be anywhere in the u.s and severe weather events are on the yeah. uptick now it's a matter of picking and choosing what kind of severe weather you want to go through and yeah, how do you, you know you want to get sucked up into a tornado or you know, flood or, or fire but you gotta say all things considered when you look back up towards michigan and other places that still luckily dodge a lot of those you know you true. still get you get flooding and you get um you know, severe thunderstorms, but F five tornadoes, and um, so yeah, that was a that was a, an interesting weekend. Um, it was crazy. It was 70, 72 degrees here that day, wow. um, and the next day it was down to like you know twenty eight or something insane. So hence the the giant storms that were there. Which did it ever hit you guys? Did you guys ever get anything from we that? We got a little bit of rain, nothing, okay. it, it was, and it was pretty windy, uh, but nothing like severe. Lost its a little bit of its power by the yeah. time we got there. Yeah, yeah, we didn't know it was going to be like that, but it was. Um, kind of eye-opening and is definitely playing into it's hard not to consider those things when you know that you're gonna you know continue farming there or living somewhere where that happens mm-hmm. and when you're living in a glorified you know a tiny house is a mobile home essentially it's it's on a foundation but it's not on the type of foundation that you know a, a home would sit on and so definitely summer makes you feel, or i mean a winter project is digging yourself a little tornado hole <laughs> it should be i guess you're getting something on the property that's like a storm shelter um because, yeah, not not a lovely way to uh, to wake up. Even though we knew it was coming, I slept with my Apple Watch on and everything so I could be vibrated awake and everything and, and prepared. But mm-hmm. once, you, once you're once you awake and you're, you're aware that something's happening and you're in the spot where you, the safest spot you think you have, you just kind of sit and wait. 
and wait and watch the sto- watch the radar and watch the wait for the the tornado warnings to switch back to watches or switch off you know yeah um and that's pretty much what we did i know you said um, the tornado will hit north of you but like when the the line of storms came through was it pretty intense you know i mean there was constant thunder and lightning and and yeah you could hear the wind whipping outside um but we were so far away from looking out the windows or anything during to see what was going on that like i couldn't you know i think i was in the tiny house i would have had a good vibe of how windy and everything it was right. but over in the cabin luckily i couldn't really tell um you know i wouldn't have said it was anything crazier than any other storm minus the quantity of, of lightning and um some pretty loud thunder but uh yeah, so it's it would be hard to know. I was expecting to step outside and at least see like a decent amount of damage where we were, but it definitely didn't look like anything compared to like what they went through 15 minutes north of here. So that's good. Yeah, so we dodged it in that sense, which was great. I mean, there's definitely plenty of people in Kingston Springs specifically that are having to rebuild a lot or have a lot of repairs to do after that. So yeah, um, but you know, at least it came through in terms of the farm too. You know, there was another that other farm that got hit. At least it wasn't like midsummer when everything was out in the field. Right. Um, not ideal to lose any amount of infrastructure, but definitely could have been worse as well. Yeah. So. All right. But but yeah, that was pretty much those are the mini mini farm updates. Cool. Well, are you ready to do a retro? Let's do a retro. I feel like I should have put more pre thought into some of my answers, but I don't even know. What the questions are but well i probably should put more pre-thought into my questions so perfect i'm just kidding i i've no. got i've got i'm all up here in the old noggin i feel like there's a good spot for an ad break um what do you what uh what are we sponsored by this week oh man um i'm trying to think if there's any if there's any product i was really using to uh to get myself through this terrible weekend um which there wasn't really i mean shout out to my apple watch for being very very loud and obnoxious when tornado warnings went off nice um i don't know how often you've the, the new system if you've seen the, the essentially the amber alert that you get now yeah. for a tornado warning which i think is new to the past like year or two like they didn't used to like blast it the way they do boy is that a loud noise a yes. scary noise which is obviously the whole point it's i don't think i've wake, ever been up. awakened by it i can imagine that being very stressful yeah um i was awake for some weird reason i woke up about two minutes before it went off uh, but it's still nice. a very jarring noise. Um, I woke up in the middle of the night um, two nights ago with Emily tapping on my chest and going, hey, hey, what's that light? And then I woke up all in a panic, and it was just our dehumidifier was full. Oh, okay. And it was just flashing a light. And then she went immediately back to sleep, and I laid awake <laughs> for 45 minutes because my heart was pounding because she just tapped me awake like until there was an intruder in our apartment. <laughs> Anyway. She just really wants you to empty out that humidifier. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. important. Um, I'm sponsored this week by. Uh, I should have been thinking of this earlier. By can't be seltzer. Um, can't be seltzer. We do a lot of seltzer. By flat water. <laughs> Got it in a. Get it from the tap and put it through a filter if you want, and make it real cold in the refrigerator, and it tastes the best. Flat water paid for by <laughs> flat water. <laughs> All right. Good Max. to know that you that you love both flat love and waters. flat and bubbly. Yeah, <laughs> all waters. All right, here we go. This is your first year farming in Tennessee. I want you to put your brain back at the very beginning before you'd even moved down here, and bring us into what you were thinking about. What did you think this year was going to be like? Um, hot. Which I nailed that. Got that part okay, right. Got that part uh, right. Good job. 
Um, you mean like when I knew I was taking the job specifically down here before I had actually moved? Yeah. So you'd already you'd accepted the job. So like you're thinking about, all right, what's this year going to be like? Um, just what are some of the things that you were thinking about, worried about, looking forward to? Just if you can, bring us into your mental state back then. Um, I was definitely as soon as I after the excitement of like this is going to be an awesome job, cool place. Really excited to move to Nashville area. Like I was very excited about all the that level of stuff. I think the second that I sat down to even like spend any mental energy thinking about the farm, I was instantly just tremendously overwhelmed by the number of things that were coming to mind. Um, you know, multiple times where I just did brain dumps of like, you know, getting caught up in the idea of like, what am I going to grow or how do I even use a BCS, which we went through in this podcast. Like, I didn't know how to use one. I was very nervous about that and, you know, nervous about the weather and the conditions down here. You know, how do things grow? How early am I supposed to put it in the ground? Like, there was just a lot of so many unknowns that even though I've been farming for five seasons at that point, um, I felt like a lot of that knowledge wasn't going to be useful. It was just my first reaction was like, I'm not going to be able to know how to do any of this because was that, it's different. Was that accurate? No, not really. I mean, the the genuine, like the, the general idea of how you run the farm, the order that you plant things, you know, that still has loosely the same structure as it would up north. It's just you shift stretch it. this you, yeah. yeah, you stretch the season out, you shift things forward in the spring, you can shift it back in the fall and winter. And in the middle, I think the thing I was ready for was that the the month of August down here is kind of actually like your uh, nothing's growing well month. Like it's, you know, in other in up north, you know, in August you're pulling all different types of crops from the field, but because of the heat and humidity down here, it's kind of this weird dead month kind of and once I talked to other farmers and learned that, you know, I did, I had no idea that was even like a thing that I was going to have to struggle with. Right. Um, I kind of figured summer just plays itself out and you know how to go from there and, and things are growing. Um, but for the most part, I mean, like, you know, plants grow the same way. <laughs> plants are going to grow the same way regardless. Like, you know. Yeah, pant, you can, you can, a, a plant puts its pants on just like me and you, one leg at a time. It sure does. And, you know, it doesn't matter if it's in zone five or zone six. That's or right. Or zone seven. It's how it's going to do it. So, um I think there was definitely just a lot of questions and then also a little bit of like um, genuine excitement for just the idea that like yeah, what anything, were you anything, anything that I, you know, I wanted to try I because the owners had given me kind of that permission as well to like, sure, you want to grow this thing, grow it. You want to do this thing, do it. You know, want to reorient the fields, want to turn it into a permanent bed system, do these, you know, whatever you want to do. Want to turn it into a petting logs, farm. Turn it into a petting farm. Um, you know, things like that. I had so much autonomy um which was exciting uh just the thought of what you know because you work for somebody else for five years um i had that one year where i kind of managed but you're not used to ever getting to actually like play out all your ideas did you (laughs) did you um kind of chafe under that at your previous places like was this something you were actively looking for or were you just kind of open to like being in charge now i mean it was definitely a thing that i could feel in myself at other farms and i think other people I had farmed under were not un- well, maybe annoyed by it. I can't speak for them, but I think they would definitely say the same thing where like they could tell in me that I was ready and wanted to do um, the next step of managing and making those decisions. And, mm-hmm. you know, a good manager at another farm would kind of give you the chance to do that with certain things. You know, I had managers that would let me pick a spot to kind of push some of that energy or an idea that I had, they would let me run with right. um, like running the flower CSA in Massachusetts. Yeah. Yeah. Like doing it, you know, helping kind of, plan and and figure that idea out and you know if i had some way that i had seen on other farms that we harvested this crop we 
trellised this crop, we pruned this crop, we interplanted these things. Like, you know, certain times I was able to make that decision, but I wasn't the one ordering all the seeds. I wasn't right. the one saying this field is going to be planted to this, followed by this, followed by this. Um, I didn't really get to say, you know, we're going to do a CSA or we're going to do these farmers markets. Like those were out of my, out of my control and that's fine. But, you know, I was definitely itching to switch to a managerial role mm -hmm. and that's what I was looking for when I was applying for jobs last winter. I was well, looking so for, when you were switching um, to, you know, when you were looking for some level to a, of management oh, at any farm. Oh no. Oh no. I think, I think maybe you had internet weather you there do? for a second. Can you hear me? I'm oh, still here. I can't we, we have a lag now. Now we have a lag. It's okay. I guess it means I can't interrupt you now. Um, I was just going to say though, when so you were looking for a manager, like a more managerial role, but you weren't coming into a place where you were had other people underneath you. You were managing yourself, basically. Is, is that like is that what you wanted, or were you hoping to like be in charge of people? Did you want minions? <laughs> minions are fun because they do help you get things done, but um. No, I think this was almost the dream scenario for me. I've always been very like independent and, and on the farm. My favorite part about farming half the time was that I was able to do so much by myself. I was able to, you know, not think at all and just listen to podcasts and my music and just kind of be one with whatever I was doing. And then, you know, I really wanted like ideally I was looking for a place where I would basically be the one and only farmer and then maybe a chance to hire somebody else if I needed help, but not coming in with the expectation of you're, these are we hire every year we hire four employees to work under you and right i'm sure i would have figured it out and i would have managed it and would have made do but this kind of let me like fail and make mistakes and everything kind of under my own tutelage which was just right. like lower stakes you know, way lower stakes and i could have a day where it's like you know i didn't do i would not be able to manage somebody else today because i spent all my time problem solving this thing or you know um even just times where like we thought we we're gonna have a lot of one crop or more money than we thought we were gonna have, and then something happened. You know, when you are managing other people and have other people relying on you for showing up to do work, um, it's a bit more stressful. And I knew this year was gonna be like, you know, successes sure, but plenty of failures and, and mistakes and things to learn. And right, um, you know, planting something and then having it go entirely wrong or realizing well I planted that way too late and like sure having some other person there to witness it is not a bad thing per se, um, but. I think it would have almost been a waste of the, the farm's time and money to, to bring somebody in while I was kind of out there like learning as I go, and, right. you know, unless it was a person that was really interested in managing their own farm someday down here or something. And then, you know, they could have made all those failures alongside me. But right. the average person that you hire to, to work under you on these farms is usually someone just trying to fill a summer job. So they're not necessarily trying to make a career out of farming. And so I liked, honestly, like it's, I also like farming by myself because it kind of lets me know what is the one human limit um, without going insane. You know, what is the acreage? What is the way that you can farm? What, what how much money can you bring in? Right. Because um, farms are expensive and land's expensive. And if I learned that, you know, one person um, can farm a half acre fairly successfully and grow up to this amount of money on it, I am actually going to use that, you know, all my planning I did here and take that somewhere else someday. And if that can be my own farm, you know, it's just super valuable information to have. It'd be a little tougher if I, you know, went and managed a 20 acre organic farm, you know, $200,000 worth of infrastructure, all these different things. And then I wanted to go and start a market garden, you know, and, and what am I going to do with, there's definitely things that translate, you know, tomatoes grow the same way, like we said, but I'm not going to have a tractor or anything like that. Um, 
So it was a super helpful uh, experience this year just to be like just Max Max and West Glow, Max and Flossie. Um, <laughs> and I right. think for that, it made this year way more uh, educational than it could have been on a different scale. Cool. That makes sense. Um, so when you look back at the year, what are the things that stand out as having gone really well? Oh, I think the fact that like the, the biggest, I mean, plenty of people can tell you good things about the farm when they visit and say nice things. And, you know, that is helpful. I mean, it's nice to get feedback, but, uh, just seeing that, like I could have essentially all 106 50 foot beds on the farm planted out, growing something with that is, you know, nothing was fallow or going, uh, empty for, you know, because of neglect. If it was empty, it was cause I just pulled something out and seeing that, you know, I could use all the land and not lose any fields to weeds, which happens, you know, um, on this scale, um, or on any scale really, but seeing the farm and just looking out and seeing like, okay, it's all being utilized. I'm not at my wits end. Like, you know, I'm managing this piece of property, you know, me and uh, you know, basically a, a part-time employee are able to do all this. That was a good feeling. Like that was a success for me, um, to, to just know like, all right, I thought maybe I'd be stretching myself too far to plant all this or to do all this. And next year, maybe I will be when I try to add more beds. Um, but that was a that was a big success, and I think really also when we talked about it a lot in the podcast was just watching those farmers market sales go up and stay up um, from where they started at, knowing that this little small town market where we're only there for three hours can make us six hundred dollars. You know, is was a pretty good feeling um, comparing it to previous year's sales. Um, so that was those were two like very prominent like all right you know mm-hmm. this is going well, and there were plenty of times when. I would look around the farm and a crop was doing well and I felt good about it. You know, I thought the winter squash we harvested was, was pretty great. And I thought I grew cantaloupe, which was exciting. Harvested really expertly to too. That's probably the best part of those winter squash. Mm-hmm. It was because people always forget. It's not about the growing. It's about, it's about the harvesting. That's yep. really where, where things can go wrong. Um, so I brought in the big guns and brought in the help, obviously, to take care of that. But, you know, there was there were crops that looked really good. And that's always just like the most, you know, base level satisfaction you can get as a farmer is you uncover a bed and, handsome you know, vegetables you got handsome vegetables i talked how many how many times did i talk about my beautiful collards on this podcast that's true you just some nice collards. beautiful collards i can't no, believe you haven't said okra but they're beautiful yet. So, <laughs> okra i mean here's the thing about okra sam i think we could have dropped those seeds out of our pocket while we were like going to get the mail and they would have grown into just the same beautiful giant plants because i think they're so resilient that they don't need me they don't need a farmer I think I think those no, plants I don't think do that do. every year on their own. Um, but yeah, okra was always a, a cool crop to learn about and and to farm and and again it did really well. Um, you know, I had to go plants reach probably eight or nine feet, which was cool. Um, you know, do I miss picking it? Not at all. I'm not gonna miss it up until the day I have to start picking. I'm it a little bit year. surprised that you're still that you're that you're done picking it. I figured those plants would <laughs> keep going until like Christmas. No, the. Uh, the one thing is that they are a, a plant that comes from Africa and therefore they do not love frost. And so that first sign of, of frost we got took them down pretty quickly. Um, but I think if I, if I calculated the numbers on my harvest sheet, you know, I probably harvested, you know, 500, 600 pounds of okra, maybe who knows? That's um, too much maybe, okra. Maybe less. That might be a little excessive. I don't, but, I don't think it is less. I was, I thought you were going to say like a, <laughs> like a ton. Um, 
I, I would have to look and see. You know, I picked every other day and for a I while. I probably there. did at least half of that while I was there. <laughs> well, they were slowing down by the time you were there. <laughs> Not yeah, they weren't slowing down, but they were. You know, I think it, it was probably in their peak of almost a hundred pounds a week. Um, wow. From those, and this is just three beds of okra. This wasn't like an insane right. field of okra. This was a pretty small patch. Um, so there were plenty of successes. I could sit here, I'm sure, and go through pictures on my phone and and feel pretty good about a lot of the stuff we grew. Nice. Um, but yeah. What about then? As I mean, as you can probably imagine, the flip question to that is: What are the things like the biggest disappointments or the things that didn't go well this year? Nothing. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's all perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. I mean, the biggest, most prominent one was just like that the soil borne disease that I got in my peppers. And again, that's one of those things that's not like I messed up per se. Right. Um, it's just something that happened as much as like a natural disaster happens to a farm. Um, but that was pretty discouraging and definitely like a, a moment for, you know, having to see how I handle a little bit of, you know, uh, ch- change to the farm and change adversity and, you know, well we all saw how you handled it you called in your big brother to come in I and did. do the dirty work you just we, couldn't handle it and you're like oh we got to get sam in here he'll help me figure it out he'll help me pick these rotten rotten peppers <laughs> yeah, he'll help and pick up these absolutely disgusting peppers out of this field yeah abysmal they were horrible but like yeah. you know and and it was frustrating to know that i took you know um five beds of my farm and planted peppers and essentially went from one week of gorgeous peppers to the next week where it was all going downhill. And sure, we still picked plenty of peppers and we sold peppers and it was fine. And I don't think anyone's sitting around going, man, I wish West Glow brought more peppers to the farmer's market. Like it was fine. Like, you know, it's, it's, there was no, right. It was but all, you know, what could have been that way. Yeah. I just know what could have been. I think, you know, it would have been cool to see a little bit more of what, you know, what could this turn into? And it's also a little bit of a, Oh no, this thing is probably not gone. Um, it's right. soil born. The, they you know, don't the internet's not like helpful disappear, about it. Right. Yeah. It's not going to pack up and go. And, and now it's a little bit of a, there's definitely like a little underlying fear. It's like, is that going to spread? If that spreads it, you know, it goes after, seems to be just about every plant family, um, you know, get ready to go on the, the, the offensive to try and keep this thing at bay. Um, and we'll follow that. I'm sure in the next season of fields of work, as I try <laughs> nice. to fight the soil monster. Um, but other failures were just like, uh, you know, I think there were a couple times this year where we didn't uh, have our marketing set up in the way that we wanted, where we didn't maybe we had produce that went to waste mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we definitely at times had a surplus of food. And, you know, it's the side of farming that's not as fun sometimes and not as interesting. But half the time, as we talked about, growing the food is not the hard part. It's this. How are you going to sell this? How are you going to move this? And and. There's a lot of really good ideas out there, and it's fun to have a fun a bunch of interesting ideas of contact this restaurant, this restaurant. But um, I think as the year went on, and we got better at it. We learned like, you know, we're not in the restaurant game. We're not able to be that consistent for people. Um, chefs are inconsistent. You know, my crops can be inconsistent. Um, you know, we needed to find those steady uh, outlets for our produce, and it got better yeah. as the year went on. But it was definitely a one we went into the year knowing these are just what we they we're kind of following the patterns of previous years and we didn't know if we would have more or less than previous years and how was I going to stack up and um, you know, what was going to be out there for us. And there's still so many options to how to sell our stuff. Um, but we're trying to nail that down because that um, I think there was money left on the table. And I think, you know, we all kind of knew that there were times when we could have probably brought in more money and we didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's fine, but you know, it, margins are also tight and 
you know, if I'm trying to get a, a model for what my future farm can be, I want to make as much money as I can on a half acre because that's probably going to be my livelihood if I'm trying to do this as a, a you know, right. as my full-time occupation, not farming for somebody else. So there were times like that that were definitely frustrating and, and are, you know, failures or mistakes. I mean, that's just, that's fine. But they, they were definitely like, you know, at times I didn't have the energy to reach out to somebody when I probably should have. I probably should have sat down and made a phone call and tried to be like, hey, will you take this? Can we sell this through you? Figure out the logistics of selling through some of these wholesalers that are available here for small scale farmers. But sometimes after a 98 degree day in July, you don't want to sit and call somebody to try and sell your surplus cucumbers. You just like want to sit in the shade. (laughs) And there were plenty of those moments this year. Um, And, you know, maybe that's a little bit of the the burnout thing, but that's also just part of farming and and a first year in a new location is going to basically, you're going to have to figure all that out. Um, and that's kind of what, you know, I had some previous farmer information from the, the last farmer that was here, but it's still, you know, whole new connections to have to make with people. So that was definitely, um, a huge learning curve that I think is still very much ongoing. Um, and that okay. I could list off a million other little failures. You know, I didn't think my starts were that good this year. The, the seedlings that I started myself, mm-hmm. I, don't, I think it all started with that crappy potting soil Yep, and it never recovered. <laughs> I never got good. I never got good potting soil. So that's like the good thing is that's a very concrete thing I can tackle for next year. Right. I know my starts sucked. Now I try and diagnose why did they suck? I've grown beautiful ones before. Um, you know, so there's it's something not you. You got the skills. Like you know, and at other farms <laughs> I've done it, and even at times this year, like I had ones do really well, and I'm trying to figure out what was at times I was using old seed. Was it the bad potting soil? Was it that I'm not really growing in a consistent greenhouse? I'm growing in a right. caterpillar tunnel where I don't have the best climate control of it. Um, lots of little things that can happen. So I'm going to make changes this year and I'm really hoping like that can be a thing that I can see improvement on next year. Um, cause crops in the field failed because they started off as bad starts. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if you're trying to maximize field space, you need to be good from day one, basically. Um, that makes so, sense. Yeah. That was, that's another one. Okay. And last kind of main bucket of questions is just what uh what was surprising about this year as you look back what are you surprised by um i'm surprised by the like i had seen it on other farms um but when i was finally forced to step back and look at the farm this year when whether somebody visited and we were just walking around the farm to just which i've said multiple times but just see how much food can come out of a half less than a half acre or right Right. a half acre. Um, I think it was at times it was hard for me to wrap my head around the fact that like, you know, to me, sometimes it just feels like a big garden and I feel like, you know, I'm not, not a farmer. Like this is like a very small farm, you know, Mm -hmm. um, that's about almost the smallest you can go and feel like you're a farmer. And I think at times I was really bad at seeing how much was in the ground, how much was happening. Um, until someone came to look to do something on the farm or help me and, and, you know, they would say something that I would stop and look and go, okay, you know what, this is actually kind of, it's impressive what we're able to do out here. Yeah. Um, so I was surprised by that. You know, I think I wasn't, I don't know if I was expecting it to be this, this, to go this well at times. Um, that was definitely surprising. I was surprised by the humidity and the heat. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Everyone told me I was going to be, and that's fine. They were right. <laughs> um, you know, that I think I found, I still really enjoyed it. Like, I think I got to, you, you saw how I, how we enjoy that hot weather down here. Oh yeah. You just changed things up a bit. 
yeah, change your, uh, your working your working patterns. <laughs> um, so that was surprising. Uh, you know, I really just had nothing, no idea what to expect from the like the farming community around here either, or the just the customer base around here. I didn't know oh, what yeah. a farmer's market was going to be like. You know, there's so many unknowns, and I was farming um, farm to table restaurant. Didn't have to think how to sell my stuff. Went right to the kitchen. That was yeah, great. Pretty, pretty straightforward. Um, uh, Grand Rapids is a pretty large farming community. When we were out there, we had no problem selling our stuff, really. A lot of competition, but no problem. And then Ann Arbor was, you know, organic farmer heaven there. I mean, it was it was amazing, the interest that people had and chefs had. So coming in down here, I just didn't really know um, what to expect from our little farmer's market or from the wholesalers and people that we had worked with or I knew we were going to be working with. And all in all, I'd say it was Definitely better than I anticipated um, just hearing about it before I got there. Um, so that was definitely a bit surprising. I'm trying to think of any other surprises. I mean, it's true that Southern people are incredibly friendly and nice. I was surprised at how often people had nice things to say about just like the stuff you were growing or the farm or different things that were happening around the farm. Um, when you're going at it alone, a lot of the time, it's really nice to to have someone who just stops by, who just drives by, you know, a neighbor and says, "You finally sees you one day," and says, "Like, oh, you know, it looks beautiful out here. It looks yeah. great out here. You're doing a great job," or recognizes that you know, so many times I had neighbors stop this year, and it would be you know, two p.m. It's ninety-seven degrees out, hundred percent humidity, ninety percent humidity, and I'm out there farming like essentially in a swimsuit, and they're they're slowing down from the window and tell me there's I shouldn't be outside right now. There's, there's no need to be farming right now. You should be inside. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, this okra's not going like to pick like, itself, you, bud. I mean, there were, yeah, 100% time. I picked okra shirtless one time this year, which is remarkable because that stuff is sharp sticky and, and sticky sharp, yeah. and itchy and miserable. Um, but, you know, there were, I think the community in general was was pretty nice, especially when we're kind of out here. You know, we're not in... Right, we're, we're a little bit out in the out in the sticks here. Uh, by that I mean I don't have tons of neighbors. I don't have people. I'm on a dead end road, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um. So that was that was a nice surprise too. Um. Yeah. I mean, those are those are those are the big three, I guess. Cool. I know uh, I said that was my last question, but I lied because I thought of another one. Uh, go for it. What? And this will be the ending question. What advice would you give to your past self as you, like, you know, basically the day that you accepted the job and decided that you were going to be coming down here, what's the advice that you would have given your past self? Hmm. 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 I mean, the, the simplest one would have been like you, this farm season is longer than what you're used to um, with your past farming experience up North. There is, to basically not panic, there's a lot of time to put things on the ground. Um, I think when I first started, I was really trying to nail down when does this have to go on the ground? When does this have to go on the ground? Like you know, to be like it, particularly precise when you're in the north, because otherwise you might miss yeah. a window, right? Because if you plant something too early and that frost comes in and you need to bust your butt to try and protect it from the frost, you know, you can lose a lot of valuable crops that way by planting too early. Now, some crops take 110 days to mature, like Brussels sprouts and other things, and you need to get those in the ground though, because you do have that end frost to worry about. You're, you're in this window. And I was trying to apply a lot of that to the farm this year. Um, I knew the window was bigger, but I didn't know how much bigger. And I wasn't aware that like, you know, eventually you lose the growing ability by not by temperature, but more by just amount of sunlight in the day, Mm. which is what we're having right now. We're less than 10 hours a day of sunlight, I think, or Mm -hmm. does that sound right? I think so. Um, like it's called the Persephone period, which I think we've talked about before and plants don't really grow much during that. 
but it's so confusing for me because I'm like, wow, it's really warm outside though. You know, like it seems like things should <laughs> right, be doing better. Be do- I should be doing stuff. I should be doing stuff. Like I should be doing something right now. And I think coming into the year, I think I would have just told myself like, you know, just calm down a little bit. I think I came at it a bit with a frantic right. energy to start the season, um, which was 50% excitement, 50%. Oh my God, I needed to really keep it, keep things together here. Right. Um, I just, you know, no one put any crazy expectations on me or anything, but I definitely had plenty yeah, of them you're for myself. Hard, yeah, exactly. You're hard enough on yourself. And you know, I knew what their previous experience had been with, with the farm. And I knew where I wanted to fit in compared to the previous farmer. And I wanted to mm-hmm. compare myself to how things have been going. I wanted to prove them that they were doing, you know, this is not the way that they make their living. This is kind of a, um, I think it's a cool thing that someone who has property wants to, you know, farm it and use it for something. There's plenty of land sitting around there. People own hundreds of acres and have beautiful spots for farming, but don't give somebody either the opportunity to farm it or lease yeah. it out or something. And I wanted to prove to them that they were doing the right thing. Like, I think this is really valuable and I'm thankful that I get a chance to farm it. Um, so I didn't want to come in and just like continue burning their money essentially by like right. having them pay me. And then we, we pot, you know, we, we grow a couple thousand dollars with the produce and call it a day. Um, right. I personally wouldn't have felt good about myself had that been the scenario. So, um, that was probably a lot of it. And the other thing, this is like the most basic information for myself ever. And this will continue to be applicable and maybe it's applicable to other sprones as well. Um, I was, there are so many times where things could have been solved or taken care of so much quicker if I would have just like, called the place call the place <laughs> that you need to get the thing from do the thing like do the one step like don't i still do this to this day i still there'll be times where i put a thing off because it's as simple as like i don't really want to call the compost company because i know they don't do trucking and i'm going to call a trucking company to arrange picking up the compost to bring the compost here to the farm and either it'll be delayed because i do that and it'll get here later now i'm stressed because i have less time to spread it or different yeah. things there were so many moments like that this year where it was just like Okay, you're you're an adult, Max. Like you need to pick up a phone, call this person, and arrange what you need to make the farm happen. Yeah. And I think the reason that was difficult for me, not counting weird anxieties and the way that we are, but <laughs> a little bit more of like I've never been in the role where I had to do that. Right. Um, as a farmhand, you rarely have to make that call. And when I was co-managing the farm in, in Grand Rapids, you know, um, Steve kind of took care of all that stuff. I was like, I was site manager. I was there and I was doing stuff, but. I wasn't calling the mechanic. I wasn't doing those kind of things. Um, so this was the first time where, like, if I sat on my butt, no one else was going to make the call, really. Um, maybe mm-hmm. Mary Britton eventually would ask me, like, do you need me to call them? And then maybe I would have been like, oh, yes, please. Um, <laughs> but that's and kind I'm, of embarrassing if it got and to I'm, that it point. Is embarrassing. And am I saying, did that happen this year? Surely. Yeah, there were a couple times. But for sure, <laughs> she, like, just like, do you just want me to call them? I'd be like, that'd be great. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. But that's unsustainable as well. Um, so that was the kind of thing where it's just like, I would tell myself on a heartbeat, like, hey, it's going to be, there's going to be plenty of times where you're like, oh, God, I really don't want to talk to somebody on the phone. I don't want to do this thing. I don't want to figure this out. Um, but I'd say 98% of the time, it was painless and quick and went way better <laughs> right. than if I just took care of it. Um, and I've been telling myself that pretty much every season and every day when I have to wake up and do a thing where I'm like, ugh, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's just part of it. And it's usually the, the waiting that makes it way worse than the actual thing I'm doing. Um, yeah, but yeah, I'm I'm hoping to approach this coming year with like a little bit more like poise and <laughs> calm and um, all this obviously mountain of knowledge I now have behind me from right. one farm season, and I try to take tons of notes so that uh, next month I can sit down and plan the farm season and feel like um, I'm not guessing as much. I mean, last year it was just like how much 
how many onions do you plant? Like, well, I don't know. How many onions should I plant? Like, you know, how many do people, <laughs> what do people want? You know, obviously people want kohlrabi. No one wants your kohlrabi. Don't grow kohlrabi. Um, there's so many things like that. Where, like, don't I'm grow here, collards. Like, Forget that you're in the South. Grow one bed, grow a half bed of collards. You probably don't yeah. need a full bed of collards or yeah. find a better way to sell them. But, you know, there's yeah. no need to do all the things that you did. Or can you grow beets? No, you can't grow beets. It seems like it's impossible. <laughs> are, are parsnips worth the money? Parsnips are not worth the money. I spent so much time trying to grow parsnips for a really um, disappointing harvest. Like there was so many crops like that where I was just like, well, we'd grow this up north. I'm going to grow this. And right. you know what? I'm not a CSA farm. I don't need to have uh, – 150 crop varieties going, you know, um, it would probably be to my benefit to simplify and do things just really well. Okra and, only. <laughs> yep. You heard it here first. Half acre of okra, handpicked. <laughs> every day. That'd be brutal. You would just be picking okra every day, all day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I would split it up into halves, I guess, or thirds yeah. maybe, and pick a third every day and um, pick really aggressively. And then by the time I get back to the start, I'm doing the same thing. Uh, yep. oh, that'd, be, that'd be awful. I know. There's, and I, I feel bad because there are definitely people out there whose job is like picking okra sure, a, sure. for an entire That's summer fair. and and they're experts um, yeah they probably do an amazing job compared to what i did yeah probably um, kind of like how i did it probably like how you did it and they probably wear shirts um oh, probably but uh yeah so those are you know i think right. who knows when we, we'll do our next our next episodes but you know probably january spring, is, right yeah january you know february is when i'm gonna start again that's when i started here was february 1st i kind of was here on the farm um not necessarily planting stuff in the ground yet, but kind of getting things rolling. So, you know, I think starting January 1st here, I'm going to be in that period of, of planning and, um, farm projects and things like that. Um, you know, laying, doing the mise en place for my farm season, if you will. Nice. I'm just looking at our, all right. It looks like last, we started this season on February 20th with episode 37 head honcho of vegetable things. Mm -hmm. That was my job title here. Yep. If I remember correctly. Yep. Um, All right. So, so yeah, yeah, early February, we'll uh, we'll pick it up again. Do you uh, you want you have anything you want to say? People want to know what's going on in Sam's world. Oh no, don't worry about Sam's world. We'll we'll <laughs> uh, call that a teaser for uh, season four. <laughs> really wait, people. You got months to wonder what Sam's up to. Yep. And here's the thing: I won't understand it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> you know that. Hey, you Max, just what? I don't really understand it either. That's good. That's good. Well, maybe in four, maybe in two months from now you will. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll figure it out by then. All right, cool. Well, it sounds like you had a good, uh, good year. Uh, we had a good, a good season. I think we probably took our listenership from maybe six to probably eight or nine. Um, yeah, I made a couple of friends that listen now, so that was smart. There we go. Cool. So next, uh, I think I can feel it. We're on the verge of breaking out. We're gonna be the next big hit. Um, I can feel it. Season you think four so? is gonna be it. Yep. All right. If you th if you say so, I think this maybe this is our this is our big break. iHeartMedia. Who wants? No, I don't want them to pick us up. No. Uh, <laughs> no. We'll start our own podcast network. That's right. That's what uh, Emily is very convinced that we need to have her on the show, and that'll be uh, maybe I told her season four. Maybe it's when we start having guests. Yeah, we can leave that up to the listeners. You know, yeah. they can tell us if that's really something they crave. Yeah, exactly. It would definitely get her off my back, which would be a good for my quality of life. Might be a nice wedding gift. Yeah. Let well, it be on your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> no honeymoon, <laughs> no wedding gift. Uh, you can be on my podcast though <laughs> with my brother. Yeah. I think she would excellent. I think she would think that's just as wonderful. She probably would. All right, sir. I'm gonna let you go. Talk to you later. Good talking to you. All right. See ya. See you next see you next season. That's right.